Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Blessed be His kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to You all hearts are open, all desires known, and from You no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of Your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love You and worthily magnify Your holy name through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Grant us, Lord, not to be anxious about earthly things, but to love things heavenly. And even now, while we are placed among things that are passing away, to hold fast to those that shall endure through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. May be seated for the readings. A reading from Amos. Hear this, you that trample on the needy, and bring to ruin the poor of the land, saying, When will the new moon be over, so that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath, so that we may offer wheat for sale? We will make the ephah small and the shekel great, and practice deceit with false balances, buying the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, and selling the sweepings of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, Surely I will never forget any of their deeds. The word of the Lord. A reading from the 113th Psalm. Hallelujah! Give praise, you servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be blessed from this time forth forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, let the name of the Lord be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, and his glory above all heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who sits enthroned on high, but stoops to behold the heavens and the earth? He takes up the weak out of the dust, and lifts up the poor from the ashes. He sets them with the princes, with the princes of his people. He makes the woman of a childless house to be a joyful mother of children. A reading from First Timothy. First of all, I urge the supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. For this I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is taking a position away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I'm dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. 
So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? He answered, He answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it fifty. Then he asked another, How much do you owe? He replied, A hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and make it eighty. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of his this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of the light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Seat. It's probably no surprise to you that this is one of the most difficult to understand parables in all of the Gospels. There are others that are challenging in their many-sided messages, but this one is just altogether convoluted and offers a wide range of conflicting interpretations. I think we at least need to get... So if anybody wants to come up here and say something about it, I've got better... (laughs) I think we need to at least get our bearings in the Gospel of Luke, recognizing that this parable and odd teaching comes immediately after the trilogy of lost things, the sheep and the coin, which we read last week, and the lost or prodigal son, which we won't hear until later in the church calendar. It's followed in chapter 16 by the story of the rich man and Lazarus, So much of what Jesus has said in these last few weeks and in the weeks to come is meant to screw up all of our expectations. The guests you invite to dinner should be those with no social value or capacity to repay you. The 99 sheep are left without their shepherd who goes to find a single one. The father gives his son a massive inheritance that he has not earned and welcomes him home after he squandered it, but welcomes him with abandon. The poor man, who is miserable at the gate of the rich man, is welcomed into the bosom of Abraham while the rich man is tormented in Hades. All of these things are kind of an overturning of expectations. Jesus is taking a KitchenAid mixer to our brains, trying to jar us from our habitual assumptions about what is good, what is valuable, what is just, and what is worthy of our attention. But above and beyond that, Jesus identifies himself squarely in the place of these disreputable, lost, and unclean social and religious outsiders so that we might see the value of that which has been called invaluable, the beauty of that which has been called ugly, and the grace in that which has been called unfair. Perhaps the disorientation we experience upon hearing this parable is in fact the desired effect As stories meant to be experienced more than analyzed, the parable of the so-called unjust steward takes a few passes 
before we can even hear what is being said. He did what to the accounts? The master said what when he returned? And if that weren't enough to knock us back, Jesus then goes on about dishonest wealth and children of light, and by the end, I find myself wondering if Jesus is commending tax fraud. Tempting. (laughs) Tempting. But none of us make enough money to stay out of jail for tax fraud, so don't try it. The disorientation is the point. We enter this parable with the assumptions we have formed over the course of our lifetimes. What is just? What is fair? What is right? All of these assumptions come with us when we read this story. These are not universal, unchangeable truths. These are ideals we form within a given context through experience and the stories we tell. This story upsets our well-formed ideals by making a crook out to be a commendable character in a parable of Jesus, no less. And his master commended the unjust manager because he had acted wisely, shrewdly is kind of how it's often translated, but wisely is probably a more, I think, a better term to use. And this is, this is the whiplash moment where we hear this shady bookkeeping commended by the master we assumed would be furious. This is the moment of disorientation where our expectations are overturned. And because of this disorienting twist ending, I want to suggest that the unjust manager is the Christ figure in the parable. I'm not alone in the biblical studies world reading the parable like this, and I think it allows us to see where the parable is overturning our expectations and reorienting us toward an expectation of grace and mercy. The unjust manager is scandalous to us because he is very clearly cooking the books and engaging in what we would consider fraudulent activity. He seems to be arbitrarily relieve he seems to arbitrarily relieve the debt burden from the clients of his master in hope of personal gain, security following his imminent sacking. He seeks to make friends by means of unjust wealth, forgiving the debts of these people in order that he might receive hospitality from them when he is in need. This is, as Robert Capon writes, a parable of grace rather than of moral instruction. It is a parable of grace because everything about this economy is entirely undeserved and defies our expectations of fair accounting and justice. We might judge the manager guilty and deserving of criminal punishment, while the clients would once again be required to repay their debts in full. This is, after all, how things work, right? But perhaps this is an example of those assumptions and ideals we have formed through habitual exposure to justice and fairness on these terms. For our context and system, justice is eye for an eye, punishment for crimes committed. Justice is the courtroom where the trial leads to a verdict of guilty or not guilty based on the presented evidence and cases. But the parables of grace throw a wrench in our assumptions and present an alternative possibility. The alternative possibility is that the judge, or the Lord in this case, would declare the guilty party absolved of their debt. This would be a judgment of mercy based on an economy of grace. The guilty judged free to go. This is a scandalous possibility because, of course, this manager is a crook, a criminal, and certainly the master is a complete fool. But this is no different than the way Jesus was viewed by his contemporaries. He was crucified as a criminal, as one who defied the expectations and assumptions of his peers and the imperial order. 
And this is exactly how St. Paul speaks of the wisdom of God. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to abolish the things that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. Once again, it is a reorientation of our assumptions, always directing us, always directing us towards an economy of grace and the law of mercy. Perhaps the point of this parable is that the apparently unjust action of the manager surprisingly meets the expectation of the master, who ultimately commends his debt forgiveness and praises the one who would otherwise be judged a criminal, or at least a bad accountant. But the final statement of our reading provides the key. No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. If the manager were to have collected on the debts in full from the debtors, he would have been serving wealth by building it. Instead, he perhaps inadvertently served the master instead, receiving a shocking commendation by forsaking the bottom line and instead building an economy of debt forgiveness and hospitality. This is surprisingly the expectation of the master. This parable is meant to shock us into seeing the absolute scandal of grace, the apparent injustice by which we are all relieved of our debt and welcomed into an eternal home. Grace is highway robbery to those who demand a profit, and mercy is a prison break for those who demand an eye for an eye. Again, Robert Capon says it this way, The unjust steward is the Christ figure because he is a crook like Jesus. The unique contribution of this parable to our understanding of Jesus is its insistence that grace cannot come to the world through respectability. This parable, therefore, says in story form what Jesus himself said by his life. He was not respectable. He broke the Sabbath. He consorted with crooks, and he, di- and he died as a criminal. Now at last, in the light of this parable, we see why he refused to be respectable. He did it to catch a world that respectability could only terrify and condemn. If the parable has been a scandal to us, it has done its job. If it remains a scandal, then we ought to examine our assumptions about justice, mercy, debt, and grace, and ask whether we have caught up to the foolishness of God. The justice of God is mercy. The economy of God is grace. Grace is an unfair accounting that relieves debtors as an unearned gift. Mercy is a judgment of absolution to the guilty party. From our vantage point, one might say this scandal is wholly unjust, but the church must proclaim in faith that this unfair accounting is the epitome of goodness. For this is the scandalous measure by which we are brought into the household of God and given a seat at the table each week by the same Lord whose property it is always to have mercy. Amen. Let us stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, 
For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and Son he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Remembering especially Justin, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael, our presiding bishop, Brian, our bishop, Johnny, our rector, Chris, our deacon, the House of Bishops, grant Almighty God that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours. Grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Remembering sister, Becky, Jack, Stephanie and family, Margaret, Bill, Brianna, Louisa, Alan and Lisa, Mariana, Martha, Beth, Lily, Sam, Elizabeth, Rick, Alex, George, Jay, John, Kimberly, Kim, Mark, Kelly, Thomas, Deanna, Jackson, Kathy, Tony, Jonathan, Don Sr., Madge, Judith, Braden, Heather, Wanda, Patricia, Logan, Carly, Lisa, Gary, Jean, Hope, Ray Allen, Kim, Don and Diane, Carissa, Matt, Ray, Richard, Sherry, Fred, Caitlin, Selena, food pantry guests and their families. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy. We commend to your mercy all who have died, that your will for them may be fulfilled, and we pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your mercy. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, 
We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Please stand. Friends, the peace of the Lord be always with you. Please show one another signs of peace. Well, welcome. It's good to be with you all today. Um, We are uh, nice and toasty in here, and so uh, thanks for sitting with us. Um, we have had, we've, we've tried all kinds of remedies, uh, on our way to, uh, fixing the, uh, air conditioning. And so we will uh, be discussing that today in the vestry meeting. So vestry, please show up to that meeting today, um, to discuss the, uh, plan of action there. Um, the, uh, announcements are in the back of your bulletin, starting on page 13. I know we had a, uh, pretty successful bazaar sale yesterday. Um, so that was good to see folks out there in the morning and, uh, checking out some of the stuff that we wanted to kind of clear house with uh, before getting ready to do stuff for this coming bazaar uh, in in November. So uh, thank you all for those of you that, that uh, helped out with that, and hopefully some of you were able to show up and shop around a little bit. Um, the uh, refresher course confirmation class is in, uh, Christianity 101 will begin this coming Wednesday, the 21st. So join us for that. We've got someone signed up to uh, fix soup for us. And um, I will, uh, um, hopefully, if I don't have your books ready uh, for that one, we don't need the books for the first two sessions. So if I don't have them for this one, I will have them uh, next Wednesday for you all um, uh, to pick up if you if you would like a copy of that, of that book, uh, Being Christian as well. Um, <clears throat> the Advent Reflections are still uh, available out in the lobby. If you've told me that you would sign up for one, but you haven't, um, sign up or I'm going to pick one for you. Uh, and if you, uh, if you haven't signed up for one out of fear of like, I don't know that I have anything to say about it, sign up anyway and try it out. And if you get to the end of the, you know, the end of the line and you say, I have nothing to say, then just let me know. Um, but I would love for folks to try that out to sort of share some of your thoughts with the congregation in this form. Uh, it's a good way to uh, get to know one another and to help each other through the season of Advent. Um, the uh, last thing is the notice about the stewardship campaign, and Todd's going to come up and say something about that briefly. Good morning. Good morning. And you're thinking, another year has passed. <laughs> uh, very briefly, uh, I'll be working on the letters uh, and the cards this coming week. Um, if you are relatively new here and you don't know if you're on the mailing list, my email is, is in the bulletin. Just send me a note with your address and I'll work with Becky and getting you on the email or on the mailing list. And that way you'll get a wonderful letter from me kicking off our stewardship campaign. So as always, if you have any questions or concerns, just look me up. Thank you. 
All right. And then uh, speaking of newcomers, uh, if you are new with us this week, if you haven't been here before or if you've been new for a little while and have not yet been tracked down by the Daughters of the King uh, to receive a welcome bag, please uh, see somebody afterwards and we'll have a welcome bag uh, for you uh, with some information about the church and a couple of goodies. So uh, please uh, raise your hand and say, I'm new, and we will direct you to uh, somebody who can uh, get you one of those welcome bags. We also, speaking of Daughters of the King, have their induction uh, service for four new members of our uh, chapter here at St. Paul's. That will happen um, right before the uh, final hymn and dismissal. Um, So uh, we will be, uh, as a congregation, uh, sort of commissioning them into the order and blessing them uh, in that sort of commitment to service and prayer. Um, So uh, that will be uh, a good celebration at the end of our service. Um, There's no EYG today uh, because of the vestry meeting and because of other sort of, and Chris is traveling and we will not have EYG, but we will be back on next week. So if you are middle high school age, join us next week for uh, EYG after the service. Um, And then I believe, I'm probably forgetting something, but we've been doing this for too long. So I'm going to ask, are there any birthdays or anniversaries? Excellent. Oh, yeah. September 21st, right? Oh, excellent. I remember it because of the Earth, Wind, and Fire song. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O oh God, our times are in your hand. Look with favor, we pray, on your servants John and Tim as they begin another year. Grant that they may grow in wisdom and grace and strengthen their trust in your goodness all the days of their life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and call upon his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his faithfulness endures from age to age. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and good and a joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, for by water and the Holy Spirit, you have made us a new people in Jesus Christ, our Lord, to show forth your glory in all the world. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Gracious Father, in your infinite love, you made us for yourself. And when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, you in your mercy sent Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and to die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, 
take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Recalling His death, resurrection, and ascension, we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in Him. Sanctify us also that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity, constancy, and peace. And at the last today, bring us with all your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by Him and with Him and in Him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God. Turning to your post-communion prayer, let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. I have the members of the Daughters of the King come forward, please. May I have a member of the chapter to present the candidates for membership. We are gathered here in the sight of God and before this congregation to admit these women into the order of the daughters of the king. We commend them to your earnest prayers that they may have grace to fulfill the obligations of the order and that their labors may be to the glory of God and to the welfare of all his people. To the candidates, the daughters of the king is an order for women whose mission is the extension of Christ's kingdom, especially among women and girls through prayer, service, and evangelism. Do you desire to become a member of the daughters, order of the daughters of the king? I do. Do you promise to obey faithfully the two rules of the order, the rule of prayer and the rule of service, to offer your support to the clergy for the good of the parish and the extension of Christ's kingdom, to wear faithfully the cross of the order and to work for its purposes as God may give you the opportunity? I 
renewed with God's self. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, I receive and admit you as members of the order of the daughters of the King. Now to the congregation. Will you support these women in their ministry of prayer and service? They have the crosses to be presented. Bless, O Lord, these crosses and grant that your servants now admitted into this order such an abundance of your grace that they may wear this sacred symbol in the spirit of humility and with devotion to the service of the King of Kings. Amen. And in fulfillment of the rule of prayer, I ask that the new members offer this prayer now. Almighty God, help me to pray so faithfully that I may draw near to you and learn your will. Help me to serve so joyfully that others may be drawn to you. May your Holy Spirit guide me each day that all I think, do, or say may be pleasing in your sight. I ask it all for the sake of him whose cross I wear, my King and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now the old members of the chapter. O Eternal Father, you have sent us your Son to teach us things pertaining to your heavenly kingdom. Give your blessing to our order, wherever it may be throughout the world. Grant that we, your daughters, ever may discern the truth and bear the cross through the battles of our earthly life. Give us strength to overcome temptation and the grace to work to spread your kingdom and to gather your scattered sheep within your fold. Pour out upon us the sevenfold gift of the Holy Spirit, that we may always remember it is your work we are called to do, that all we think, do, or say may be pleasing in your sight. We ask it all for his sake, our King and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. May your love, O Lord, help the daughters live lives of love, and may your holiness lead them to be examples of virtue, that they, strengthened by your Holy Spirit, may pray and serve you all their days. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. May the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Go in peace, love, and serve the Lord.